This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. All I can say is Jesus is real. I've battled with so many insecurities and fears and a wrong mindset of who I am in Jesus. And over the last... Say 10 years, I've just changed so much. And if he can do it in me, he can do it in you. And if, if I can write a book, I'm pretty convinced all of you can write a book. <laughs> and it's just amazing how God challenged me to step out of my comfort zone all the time, all the time, every day, every week. With a husband like Andrew, I don't have a choice <laughs> to step out of my comfort zone. So after 18 years of marriage, he has rubbed off on me, okay? <laughs> which is good. But I'm, I'm thankful, and I give God all the glory. My goodness is nothing apart from God, and I'm so thankful for what He has done in my life. So God has blessed us with a son. His name is Vian. He was born on the 24th of December, 2008. And it was my worst nightmare to have a child born in December, because I reasoned I must give my child the age. She must be at least a month older than the rest of his, his peers in his class. So I must have a January, February baby so a December baby was not my plan. But as the years gone by, it really didn't matter anymore because Vian is our greatest gift. He's funny, he's smart, he's joyful, he loves Jesus, so what more can I ask? Until last term, I was really faced with an internal struggle that I want to share with you today. And in the light of eternity, it's completely ridiculous. So, but I still had to deal with it. So from grade one to three... For those who have, have children, all the parents just share how amazing their children are. You know, grade one to three, there's no class positions. You actually have no idea where how well your child is doing. So everybody was just sharing how amazing their children are. And we were just enjoying life because I had no clue, you know, what, you know, what was waiting for me. So we hit grade four beginning last year. Any parents with a grade four child? Okay, you maybe you've had one. And... We, we were totally lost, completely lost, grade four. We had no idea what we were doing, but we did what, what we always do. We worked really hard. Now, you see, this is my, my strength and my weakness. I was born responsible. This is God's fault. <laughs> I was born responsible. So now, so this is what we do. We work hard. We practice piano. We practice drums on a Saturday and a Friday afternoon, you know, when other people don't do anything. <laughs> this is what we do. And surprise, surprise, Vian ended up being first in his grade, first term, last, last year. We were totally shocked, totally surprised. And we had no idea if he's going to be able to maintain that position. But again, surprise, surprise, to our greatest shock, he was first in his class last year. Okay, so allow me to just to brag a little bit as a parent. The only thing that I realized beginning this year, it was the grace of God. Because we didn't know what we were doing. It was my first attempt, you know, to help a grade four um, little person in his journey. And also, there's only about 43 kids in his grade. So it's not such a massive achievement. But for him, it was huge. And he's not achieving on the, speed, in the sports field at all at this stage. So for him, he did so much with confidence, his identity. So grade four, high note, high five. We did it. Great. Grade five. Now we hit grade five, first term this year, 
And all of a sudden, something that was enjoyable for me last year, all of a sudden became this massive pressure. And I was like, you know, uh, we, we, I felt now we need to perform, and Vian really is not interested, to be quite honest. <laughs> I'm the one who's, who's like the, the driver. And I, I felt under so much pressure. I experienced so much anxiety, and I said to myself, Sonica, you're being ridiculous, you're being ridiculous. He's grade five, he's 10 years old, he's a boy. He just wants to play, but nevertheless, I felt terribly out of control, and I had to deal with all kinds of emotions that I did not like. And you see, I actually enjoyed school, and now I have the opportunity to do it again. You know, grade one to 12, here we go. Awesome. But the only problem is my son is not like me. He's a boy. He wants to make jokes, play around. He wants to play games and watch television and read books. That's awesome. You know, I'm thankful for that. And sometimes he's focused, but most of the time he's not. He's not focused. And for a mom like me with my personality, it leaves me totally out of control. Because I can help him, but I can't write the test on his behalf. I must let him go and let him write the test and hope he's going to focus on the day. Because, as I say, he's a boy. You must see the girls in his class. Big difference. On the, at the age of 10... You know, it's the girls who are the, like, they write neatly, they listen, and they do their homework, and they write down, and they, in any case, boys and girls. So I experienced anxiety, pressure, I felt out of control, and it was not fun. It was really not fun, and I felt totally ridiculous, but I needed to deal with this. So towards the end of last term, I should have spoken long before that, but I spoke to my husband. Say to him, I'm, I'm going through this internal war, and I hate this. My son is 10. I want him to be a boy. I want him to play. I don't want to take life so seriously, but I am. I have a problem. So I spoke to Andre, and praise God, I did. And I felt totally stupid because, I mean, you know, if I would have counseled somebody, I would have said, let it go. He's 10. Let him play. Let him enjoy life. But, but now I'm not. I, I'm the counselee. I, I need to receive counselling. And we prayed together. And praise God, in that moment, I experienced something so beautiful. And this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. I experienced the beauty of surrender. Where I surrendered to God something that I didn't even want it to be like that person. I really didn't want to be like that. But I I couldn't help myself, and I needed to work through something. It's almost as if God set me up, you know, because of last year. He set me up to deal with it this year, and I didn't even know it was there. It was new territory for me. I'm figuring parenting out. We only have one child. He's 10, so every year for me is new. Every experience is new. I'm figuring it out, and all of a sudden, I was faced with something in me that I didn't like, and I didn't know how to handle. And praise God, I shared it with Andre. We prayed and I experienced something really beautiful. So maybe this is not your story. Maybe you don't battle with these things at all. That's awesome. Maybe you battle with something else. Maybe you feel out of control in your marriage. You know, because you can't get your spouse to change. And you can't get your spouse to do things the way you do things. Because obviously the way you do things is the right way. And you, you can't get your spouse to come to church 
or to be the spiritual leader, you can't get your spouse to even remember Mother's Day. Guys, it's in two weeks. Let me help you. The 12th of May. You have no excuse now. 12th of May. Make a note. Write it down. Write it on your mirror, on your wall, on your steering wheel of your car. Just do something, okay? But often we feel out of control in our marriage because we can't control the other person. We can't change the other person. And maybe you're not married, but you can make this applicable to your relationship with your mom, your dad, your siblings, your best friend. I don't know if you've ever come across a situation where you really want to change somebody, but you can't. And you try and you're making it worse. And you feel out of control. You feel anxious. It stresses you out. Or maybe feel out of control at work. Because there's so many variables at work that you can't control. So many. You know, there's, there's people who change things at the last minute. Why do people do things like that? They change things at the last minute. Okay, again, they do things differently than you would have done it. They drop the ball. They promise and they don't deliver. They, they don't pay their bills. Please pay your bills. You know, it's stressful to any business owner if, if people don't pay, you know, but it happens. People don't pay. They overpromise, underdeliver, and you are anxious. It leads you into a, to, a, to a place where you feel out of control, anxious, stressed out. What do you do? Because we can't control everything, and we can't change people. We can only change ourselves by the grace of God. So... The key, let me give you the key. The key to find peace when you feel out of control is to surrender. To surrender wholeheartedly. We need to stop striving and start abiding. Some of you didn't get this. Okay. We need to stop striving and start abiding. I mean, maybe we should say this. Please repeat after me. I should... Stop striving and start abiding. Amen. You know, Psalm 46 verse 8, it's beautiful in the Passion Translation. It says, surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving. And you will see that I am God. This is beautiful. The definition of striving is to struggle or to fight vigorously. There's this internal wrestling the key is to stop what you are doing. Stop. Just stop. And take stock of your internal atmosphere. Take stock. What is going on inside of you? What, what is going on inside of you? Stop struggling and fighting and be silent in His presence. Allow God to bring the peace, the direction, the guidance. You know, have you ever seen an apple fighting and struggling to become an apple? Did you? No, the apple is just staying connected to the tree. The apple is not fighting or struggling or striving to become an apple. The key is for, for any kind of fruit just to stay connected to the tree. It's as, it's as easy as that, but it's easier said than done. We all know that. So I want to I wanna give you three pointers today. How can we stop striving and start abiding? How can we very practically move into a place of peace daily? Daily, weekly, monthly, with whatever, in your marriage, in your work, in your 
relationship with people, whatever you're doing. So I want to take you to a scripture in Philippians 4, verse 6. Very well known. I hope most of you can quote this one. If you can't, this is your homework. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, you need to, you need to know this one off by heart. This one has saved me so much trouble and anxiety because I know this one. Be anxious for nothing, but by everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Okay, so there is our key. It's not only one thing. It's prayer, it's supplication, it's thanksgiving. It's all in one pot. And we need to learn how to effectively do those three things. It says, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses understanding. So it's not about your circumstances. It's not about what you need to do, what you are facing. It is above our, our, um, our understanding. It will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. What is supplication? Have you ever thought about the scripture? Because if, if supplication is the same as prayer, it would not have been there. God would have just said by prayer and thanksgiving. Supplication is something different. It suggests intensity of earnestness in extended prayer. So it's not a quick prayer. It's an earnest, extended prayer. Not to gain merit by many words, so it's not about the many words, but it's about a, to fully transfer the burden of your soul into God's hands. Earnest, extended prayer. So supplication is not a quick Casual prayer. Don't just dump your anxiety on God and walk away. Wait. Wait until He speaks. Wait until He fills you with peace. Wrestle it through with Him until you feel that your internal atmosphere changes. It's not a quick, casual prayer. It's, it's an extended prayer and it's an earnest prayer. So there's prayer, there's supplication, and there's thanksgiving. We all know thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude especially towards God. So I want to give you examples, three quick examples of prayers that you can pray. It's not going to be on the screen, so you would need to listen. Lord, I thank you for my son. This is my prayer. Thank you that he is healthy. Thank you that he can go to a mainstream school. You know, this one of his, one of his friends has been taken out of his class last year because he's battling. He's battling with a degree of, of, of um, autism. He's not in that school anymore. He is now in a unique, special school. And he's thriving, praise God. But, you know, for me to now all get anxious about Vian, not performing the way I, I, he performed last year or not performing in the way that I think he should, it gets really, really small and insignificant if you realize some of his friends can't even be in the school. There must be a special arrangement. Thank you that he can go to a mainstream school. Thank you that he loves people, that he loves you, that he's a bringer of joy. I surrender to you my burden with regards to his academic results. I don't want to live in a place of stress and anxiety, and I repent of missing the mark. I'll explain to you missing the mark in just a moment. Help me to trust you, let go, and, and trust you for the outcome. Thank you for peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I thank you for my husband. I thank you for the way he provides for us as a family. Thank you for his love, his kindness towards me. I repent of freaking out 
when he does things in a different way than I would have done it. I feel out of control because I can't change him. Please help me to put my trust in you to bring change in your way and your timing. Help me to let go. Love him regardless of his performance. Some of us need to pray this prayer. Lord, I thank you for my job. I thank you that you have placed me in this job for a reason. I surrender to you all the stress when people overpromise and underdeliver, but when people drop the ball, when people frustrate me out of my mind, and I surrender to you all the last minute changes, all the misunderstandings, every unfair situation, things out of my control. I need your peace in my workplace. Please shift my internal atmosphere from anxiety to peace and give me the wisdom how to handle these things. We need to come with thanksgiving and we need to come with a supplication and pray this through until you feel that your anxiety shifts to peace. It's not a quick, casual dumping it on God. Please, God, I'm so stressed out. Please help me by. Okay. It's not like that. You need to stay there in that moment. And if you need to do this daily, then you do it daily. So how do we stop striving and start abiding? Our starting point is earnest, extended prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. A beautiful recipe for a successful prayer and for a change in your internal atmosphere. And the gift that God has made available for us to pray extended, earnest prayers is the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of praying in tongues. Sometimes we run out of words because we can only say so much to God. But then He has given us this gift. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12. It's explained there. And it's available to all of us. We teach on this at Encounter 1. Please join us for Encounter 1 if you don't know what I'm talking about. But it's a gift. It's available to all of us. You can pray for extended periods of time. And things happen. Things change in the atmosphere. And we give our burdens to God. We can pray for you this morning. All that you need is a desire to have this gift. Number two, we need to walk in the light. So first one, pray. What's the three things? Pray, supplication, thanksgiving. It's all in one pot. It's a, it's a powerful team, okay? Three of them. One, John, one, verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanses us from all sin. What is sin? Have you ever thought about it? Sin is missing the mark. I was missing the mark with regards to Vian's academics, so I became anxious. So maybe some people wouldn't see it as a sin. However, I missed the mark, so I was sinning. I was committing something that causes me to, to be anxious. And some of you are battling to surrender and to find peace because you, or, or let me rather first say, my freedom was found by bringing my internal struggles into the light. I had to talk about it. I was praying about it, you see. I did the first step. I did pray. And I, it did not solve my internal conflict. I had to speak to somebody. My freedom was found in speaking to somebody. Some of you can't get rid of your anxiety and your internal struggles because you're not speaking to anybody. You're a closed book. You keep everything to yourself. 
Maybe not even your spouse is knowing what's going on in your heart. And that is, is blocking the freedom that God wants to bring and the peace. Or maybe you've spoken once. Maybe you have spoken, but you've spoken once and that you feel that is enough. That's not enough. That is not enough. You see, every time I speak to somebody about my internal struggles, I feel really stupid. You're possibly also going to feel really stupid. So make a peace with it. It's okay. But something beautiful happens. Every time I do this, Jesus comes with his blood, like the scripture says, the blood of Jesus Christ washes me. It feels like a river, and it washes away all this junk in my heart, and it leads to freedom. It's amazing. It is worth it. It's really worth it. Ted Haggard, some of you have heard the story. Ted Haggard, he was the leader of a mega church in America for 20 years. In 2006, he had to step aside as a pastor of a 14,000-member church. Also, he had to step aside as the president of the National Association of Evangelicals, an umbrella group representing more than 45,000 churches with 30 million members. He was the man. Okay, in Christian circles, he was very prominent, very successful, and amazing. However, he had uh, struggles with sexual sin because he was abused as a child. But a life of accountability and walking in the light with his wife and other people kept him safe. Why did he have to step aside in 2006? Because he stopped talking. He said he got tired. That was his own words that was published somewhere. He got tired of speaking to his wife, confessing these struggles, just got tired. And he stopped. And he himself said that it was almost as if like he was drawn into a deep pit of darkness. What is this story saying to us? Not a story, it's a real life illustration. We should keep sharing our stuff. Even if we know Jesus for 30 years. Even if you're a life group leader, a worship leader. Even if you have any kind of leadership position in church or any kind of leadership position in society. Even if you are the pastor of a church, we have a responsibility to share our stuff. You know, this man lost everything. Why? Because he stopped talking to his people. I'm not saying we should share stuff with anyone. You go to somebody that you trust. Okay? It's not, I'm not saying we should splash everything to the whole world. But if you are not getting free, you need to talk. You need to humble yourself. And you need to talk. And that is the key, humility. God gives grace to the humble. The moment we humble ourselves, as I say, you're going to feel stupid. And it's not bad. Because the moment we humble ourselves, God comes and he gives us grace. What is grace? It's an empowerment to overcome. It's an empowerment to do what you can't do in your own strength. God gives grace to the humble. And the good news is that your internal struggles can become your greatest gift if it drives you to Jesus. You might think, whatever it is inside of you, if that thing can drive you to Jesus, it could become your greatest gift. But we can never stop talking. We can never feel, well, I've arrived and I have it all together. And 
I never have to speak again. I never have to confess again. I never have to humble myself again. Because this is what happened to Ted Haggard. He was a leader for 20 years. He was successful. He was amazing. He was changing lives. God was using him mightily. Then he stopped talking. Just because he thought, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) If we need to to share our stuff for the rest of our lives, so be it. If we need to confess and share and humble ourselves for the rest of our lives, that's fine. Just do it. Keep on doing it. Keep on sharing. Number three, trusting in the Lord. So we had prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Amen? First step. Second step, we need to talk. We need to walk in the light. We need to allow the blood of Jesus to wash over us. And that happens when we walk in the light, when we share. When, and, and I also want to encourage you, sometimes we share, but we don't share everything. We, ha- we, we hold back a little bit because surely if I share that one thing, I'm going to get rejected. So I'll share 80%, which I'm okay to share. But that 20%, nobody will ever know. Share it. Please share it. Because there's going to come a moment in your life when that thing is going to haunt you and it's going to destroy you. We need to, to speak. And we need to trust the Lord to wash us. To wash us clean. You know, the, the most amazing life to live is when you have nothing to hide. Nothing. And so what, what people say? So what? You know, if you are in right standing with God, so what, what people think? I want to release you from this obligation of, of the fear of man, where what, what if that person finds out? Or what if that one knows? What if we can just live freely? And our life is an open book, and our sins and whatever we have done is dealt with, and it's under the blood And Jesus has washed us clean. And again, I'm not saying we're splashing everything to the whole world. But someone must know that that walking in the light and opening up, it releases something very beautiful and powerful in your life. We need to thirdly trust in the Lord. There's been a theme for this morning, so I'm really blessed. Psalm 37 verse 5 in the Amplified. Listen to this. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose each care of your load on Him. So we need to roll our load onto the Lord. We need to trust. What what does that mean? Lean on, rely on, and be confident in Him. And He will bring it to pass. We need to roll our worries and our load and our burdens into God's care. We need to roll it into God's care. Have you ever seen a camel? Walking with a load, I suppose not, because we don't have camels walking around in this land. But just picture, picture a camel with a heavy load. What happens when he needs to sleep at night, when he, when he needs to roll off that load? What happens? Do you know? He first goes on his knees. I'm going to show you now what it looks like. It's beautiful. The camel must go on his knees. Do you know how high a camel is? It's really high. So try remove the load from the camel when he's not kneeling. So he goes like this, and then his back legs goes like this. But he can't get rid of his load unless he kneels. He can't. He tilts far to the one side, and the master removes it. So this is what we need to do if we want to commit our works into God's hands. Again, 
Not a quick, casual, God, I trust you. No. You kneel. And you don't kneel half-heartedly. I mean, this, it takes quite a, it's quite a couple of seconds to get this massive animal to kneel. But I think sometimes we think we have knelt. Okay, it's like a quick, God, I trust in you. I mean, bye. Okay? It's more like you kneel and you kneel again and you stay there. And I mean, I think sometimes we kneel, we give our load to God, and before we can even take it, we're like back on our feet. There, there the camel with the load goes off. It's not being taken by God. It's still on me because it was a quick, casual prayer. A quick, casual prayer. So what is number one? Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Okay, number one. Number two. We need to walk in the light. We need to humble ourselves. Number three, trust in the Lord. How we do that? We kneel, let Him take our load, roll it off, stay there until He takes it. You know, Brian Johnson is the founder, president, and co-founder of Bethel Music. We sing a lot of these songs in church. He wrote a book called When God Becomes Real. I read it. Recently, I can really recommend it to anyone. You know, he had to come to the end of himself. He says in his book a couple of years ago, he had to come to the end of himself when after even a couple of months, he was on strong medication, very strong medication, and he did not solve his panic attacks and his anxiety. He had to come to the end of himself. He had to, to admit that his internal atmosphere was not healthy. He's now 41 years old. I think this happens at about, say, 35, 36. He's quite the man as well in, in, in worship music, in the worship music world. Successful. His dad is Bill Johnson. They're running this movement where God is doing amazing things. He was on serious medication for quite a few months because of anxiety and panic attacks. Please read the book. It's really, it's really uh, worth it. And he had to admit that his internal atmosphere is not healthy. He had to forgive people. He had to have discussions with people because he wasn't dealing with conflict in the right way. He had to reconsider, reevaluate the way he was dealing with conflict. And God, step by step, after he had tried medication, we're not against medication, God is using doctors powerfully, but he had to come to the end of himself because the medication was not helping him. It was just suppressing the symptoms. It just helped him to cope. And he realized that he needs Jesus. And listen to this. He shares in his book that the purest form of surrender is when Jesus becomes our only option. Have you ever come to that place where Jesus becomes your only option. The medication is not working. The way you escape, whether it's pornography, whether it's the one series after the other, whether it's shopping, whether it is what, whatever you do, whether you have your glass of wine every night and then it becomes two and then it becomes three, whatever you're doing is not solving. It's not Changing your internal atmosphere. Have you ever come to that point where Jesus becomes your only one 
and only option. Because this is what happened to him. He's successful. He's gifted. He's talented. He's got a beautiful wife. They've got amazing children. He's a, I don't know how many generational pastor, like fifth generation or something. He's got it all together. And he fell into a season where he had serious, serious panic attacks. They thought he actually had a heart attack. They actually thought, okay, just get the paramedics and check. Maybe it's a heart attack. It wasn't. It was anxiety and panic that, that completely went out of control. And he had to come to a standstill. He had to stop striving and start abiding. And he shares how, you know, after God showed him so many things to, to forgive, to repent about, to speak to people, he just started getting up. I think quarter past five or something in the mornings. Just sat. You know, without a specific agenda, without a specific, like, a program, just said, God, here I am. You're my only option, Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing story of somebody that was willing to share stuff to the whole world. I have so much respect for him because it's now not his wife and his dad who knows these things. It's now the whole world who reads this book. And he's willing to share it because I feel that book is like a prophetic voice for people in high places who need to talk. I mean, he is a free man today. The whole world knows his stuff. (laughs) That's freedom. That is freedom. It is incredible. You know, one last scripture, then we're going to pray together. Listen to this amazing scripture. It, It summarizes the whole sermon. So if you want to remember one scripture, remember this one. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, 6, and 7 in the Passion Translation. It says, God resists you when you are proud, but he multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, there's humility and accountability. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Surrender. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him, pray and supplication, and leave them there. Trust. For he always tenderly cares for you. Allow me to, to do this one more time. Okay? You need to get this. God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. If you bow low, Think about the camel. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, that's humility and accountability. He will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Surrender. Pour out all your worries, not some of it, all of it. Your worries and stress upon him, there is prayer and supplication, and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. How amazing is that? This is our key to move from control to surrender, to move from anxiety to peace. This is our key. This is our key. We need to constantly surrender to God. It's not a once-off thing. It, if, it, if you need to do it daily, you need to do it daily. If you need to do it a few times per day, then you do it a few times per day. But the beautiful thing is that your biggest crisis can become your biggest gift. If your crisis drives you to Jesus... If Jesus becomes your only option, if you say, God, here I am, I have nowhere to turn. Where shall I go, Lord, because you have the words of life? Then 
you are in the right space to receive freedom. When Jesus becomes our only option, something beautiful happens. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.